And I've also learned that whether I like it or not, somebody's watching, somebody's going to ask a question, somebody's going to um, inquire, but I have to be willing to be vulnerable to tell them the truth because that's how I learned the most. Um, Bobby saying, oh, look, I got fired. This is what I did wrong. Don't do that. Um, can I look at these players and say, look, you can't act like that right now, or you can't do that right now, or that's inappropriate right now and help them see why, because regardless of what anybody says, you go through your day, this is the first time somebody's meeting you in some way, shape or form. So there's, there's certain ways you have to act, how you have to handle yourself and carry yourself. And that's a big lesson that I learned. Not that I did anything wrong, but I, I was telling, I can't remember who I was telling last week, one of my former players, had I acted a complete fool at Virginia Tech and not cared and went about things, they would, I wouldn't have been a thought in anybody's mind to if I wanted to come back. They'd have been talking about don't bring, don't bring Brittany back in here. So I think the, my biggest thing is being able to be vulnerable, saying, hey, this is where I messed up. Don't do this. That's not going to get you um, where you think it's going to get you. It's going to actually hurt you. Um, but being saying it, I think it's easier to sit back and be like, well, I told like, But to say that is hard. It's very hard to do. I want to create something that I wish my younger self could have had when I first entered the profession, which is a platform to serve and impact the next generation of coaches. Young coaches, young professionals, young leaders, they need to see black faces and they need to um, know their story. Personal lives are generally publicized within our profession. So our platform will be very unique because our guests will all share their powerful stories to help our listeners unlock their potential greatness. Guys, this episode right here is very, very special. Let me tell you why. Um, we have Coach Brittany Anderson. She's an assistant women's basketball coach at Stanford. Um, we go way back. We have history. Coach Anderson knew me. Um, she coached me at Radford. She knew me when I was when I was bad a little bit. Um, but yeah, she she was she played a very important part um, of my growth, and it was very. Um, interesting and humbling to sit down and hear her story um, because, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily, when you're a player, you don't necessarily get a chance to hear the head, the assistant coach's story. Um, and it was very interesting. Um, and and I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, one reason why I enjoyed this conversation is because I came to a realization of, well, I always knew she was smart, but something I really value out of this conversation is how intelligent Coach Anderson is. She's super duper smart. And I want to make sure that um, I point that out and make sure she knows that um, I, I get that. I see I see her intelligence and I and I see it from a different perspective, um, not being her player, but. Um, being in the profession, I'm like, dang, like she is really smart, you know, coaching at Stanford now, got a Virginia Tech degree and all those things. But um, she has a lot of value to um, this conversation. We talk about pretty much if you look at her resume, you will think that, you know, she goes from Radford to Virginia Tech to Stanford, um, who is doing extremely well this year. And you'll be like, dang, it must have been easy. Or you must be like, dang, like she must got, you know, 
you know, what, what she got going on that in there to just make her, her transition through this profession really, really seem seamless. Um, but in this episode, in this conversation, you'll uncover um, all the the small details and every part of her story that that makes it that that has made her career, um, you know, special the way it is. Ish, what do you mean you were bad a little bit? <laughs> Man, you know, now I might have talked back to the coach a little bit and there. You know, I might have had a little temper, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, a little something, something there. I might have thought I knew knew everything, you know, but that's, that's the old East. I'm sure Brittany put you in your place, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You did a little something, something. Nah, nah, I understand that. Um, I mean, getting to know Brittany was great. You know, obviously, uh, you guys got a long history. And so for me, having the opportunity to really get to know her, you know, while we were having our, you know, great conversation, um, I could tell she's somebody that truly cares about the individual. Uh, I knew she probably, as hard as it was um, for her to do it by coaching you, I'm sure she gave you a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge um, because look at obviously the woman you are today, you know, by having someone like that in your corner. Uh, but, you know, the thing I really liked about Brittany's um, conversation is she was she was able to give us a little bit of, you know, of both worlds. You know, obviously she, you guys are know or you guys are hear this um, throughout the conversation, but she actually played at Virginia Tech Um and then didn't never think she was going to get into coaching. She actually entered into corporate America, you know, and did that for like six years and was very adamant that she would never be walking on the sidelines, you know, when it came to, you know, being a coach. Um, but it's it's crazy how, you know, she was very intentional, you know, about really seeking out her purpose. Um, and she had people that truly cared about her in her corner, you know, that kind of pushed her and persuaded her to do it. And it's very, you know, it's very empowering and um, exciting to see her in her calling, um, because obviously look at look at her trajectory. You know what I mean? She went from Radford, you know, to Vitek to now at Stanford. Um, and, you know, sooner or later, she'll go from being an assistant coach to a head coach in her in her future, um, because like you said, she's she's someone who's very intelligent, very smart, um, has great mentors. I didn't have a passion for people. And that's what she ultimately want to do is, is give back and help the, you know, help these young ladies um, that she deal with on a daily basis. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as each and I did. Um, I know I'm going to be really getting my notebook and my, my pencil and I'm going to really be taking me some more notes because, uh, you know, she really, she really did a really good job in this conversation. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the episode, I, I do want to point out a few more things. I think one thing that separates um, Coach Anderson and you know one reason that she's had the success that she's had is because she did go out in the real world into the corporate world um, before entering in coaching. Um, I feel like if you are a student athlete, um, you you have a sense of entitlement. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. Everything is kind of like hand it to you and things like that. And if you go straight into coaching and I feel like the coaching profession could be in full of, full of entitlement as well. Um, I could say that as well, but when you, when you get out, learn how to be a professional first and get in 
and come back um, and then you're professional first and then you're a coach, I feel like um, that is where you have the most advantage because the, the personal aspect of feeling like someone owes you something, anything that um, entitlement can get in the way of you having success, those things are kind of, you know, they, they might not be gone because we're all human, but it's, it's less of a factor because you know you have to be a professional regardless. Um, so I think that was huge. And and as a player, one thing I will always say about um, Coach Anderson is that she she was always solid. You hear me talk about that in episodes that I always felt like, um, you know, no matter what was happening, she was she always, you know, was was solid. She was solid in, um, you know, who she was, never not really swayed, um, not really anced up or, you know, shaken or anything like that. And, you know, part of that was because of her because of her faith. And another part of it is because the profession is in everything to her. And I think um, through my experience with myself and then some things that I that I recognize and I see, um, sometimes we feel like the profession, the wins and losses is everything. Um, so she she had a good hold, hold on that before even entering in the profession. And that is one thing that I believe that um, has granted her the success that she's had and why she's able to navigate the way she's navigating. Um, but um, I'm not going to hold you guys up any longer. This is an amazing, um, authentic, vulnerable conversation. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope um, any professionals, any aspiring coaches, any current coaches um, take a lot from her story. And um, definitely, like I always say, get your pen, get your notebook out, because this one right here, um, you will learn a lot out of this episode. Make sure you listen closely. Here's our episode with Coach Anderson. Welcome back to the Black Excellence in Sports podcast. We have Coach Brittany Anderson with us, assistant women's basketball coach at Stanford University. Welcome to the show, Coach. We appreciate you being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. This is the Black Excellence in Sports podcast. We we highlight those we believe have demonstrated Black excellence. We want to highlight their story, their voice, and use their testimony to inspire others to unlock their greatness. Coach Anderson, how do you define Black excellence? What comes to mind when you hear that phrase? Um, when it comes to Black excellence, I think the first thing, first two people come to mind are my parents. Um, the examples that they've set for me, my brother, my sister, um, I think of people who are there, um, not afraid to shine in moments when they need to shine, um, not afraid to help other people that look like them when they need to. Um, and I also just think of um, people who are authentically themselves, um, are vulnerable, can admit their mistakes, are willing to tell other people, hey, don't do what I did. Um, those, those are some of the things that comes to mind. Coach Anderson. You started off talking about the first two people that come to mind are your parents. Can you highlight them a little bit and, and tell us why you feel like they demonstrate Black excellence? Um, I'll start with my mom. Um, my mother grew up military. Um, she is, and she was, I don't know if she still is, I have to go look. Um, she was the first Black woman to graduate from Texas Women's University with her PhD in anatomy. Um, she was the head of the anatomy uh, department at VCOM, um, which is unheard of, um, doesn't happen. It didn't really hit me until I got into college and I was like, wow, this is what my mom's doing. 
Um, and then my dad, because he's overcome so much and to be where he is now, it looks different from his father and his mom um, with him growing up. Um, but they've, they've been great examples for me. Um, they've admitted where they've messed up. Um, they've helped me and given me and my brother and my sister any and everything that they could. Uh, they raised us the best way they knew how to, um, admitted faults along the way, things they wish they could have done better, um, where they've messed up. And it's been, it's honestly a grow, it's, it's a process, like you get to know your parents more and more each day. You don't really know them completely, but they've always pushed me, my brother, my sister to be better and they've never settled and they still don't. I'm 35, they still don't. They still are pushing me in some way, shape or form. Guys, now this is a special um, episode here. Coach Anderson um, coached me when I was a player at Radford. Um, and one thing that I noticed about her when I was a player and then especially looking back, me being in the business now, is that um, she was always solid. Um, she, you could always go to her for anything. Um, really had a knack for building relationships with players and also um, was really good at keeping that boundary that, um, she is a coach and that, um, you know, she has the best interest of the head coach. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about um, how you went about building relationships with players and also um, how you go about staying true to yourself and, and really being that rock for players? I always go back to in any situation. Um, I was coached by Bobby Kelsey at Virginia Tech through a coaching change, and she is she's my mentor. Um, I call her about anything. I text her about stuff. She's real. I don't know any other way, but to be real, she was real with me. My parents have been real with me. Um, my mom in particular. Um, but Bobby always was able to kind of be in the middle of this is what coach is trying to get you to do. This is where you can be better. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was she looked like me, like she looked like me. She played division one, women's basketball, she was able to keep it real. And still to this day, like I will always call her, I credit her with everything. She's a major part of the reason why I got into college coaching when I was like, I don't think that's for me. Um, but I, I think if you can be real with yourself, look yourself in the mirror every day and know that I, my thing with you was, I felt like I gave you my best. And if I didn't feel like I gave you my best, I was like, okay, I need to be better in this area. But I always, pushed you because that's how I didn't know any other way. Push you to be better, push you to want more um, and not settle for anything less than what you deserve. So I just, the, the boundary part of it, um, sometimes it's like, you know, with like social media and different things of that sort, it's hard. It's hard with the boundary aspect of it, but I've been able um, to have a mentor in my life who will always, she will always be my mentor. Um, she's been vulnerable with me, told me where she messed up, told me situations she got fired, told me why she got fired, how she would change, how she did something. If she wouldn't, like looking back, she shared that with me. And so I've told her if I ever become a head coach, I'm gonna hire her. I don't know if she'll come, but that she's the big reason why I've been able to blossom in this profession. Coach Anderson, how important is it to you for your players to look at you and say, that woman looks like me, to where you can relate to them, but then have a chance to impact them kind of going forward. Can you elaborate or talk to us about how that may play a part in your role as, as a coach, 
knowing that you can have that type of influence on young black women? I think there's a, a I don't want to say a disconnect, um, but I think our value and what we bring to this game with players who look like us being with how predominantly black basketball is, I think the biggest the biggest part of it is is that with Aisha, I, my thing with her was I've done what you've done. And when somebody's telling you or helping you through something that they're going through, like I've been there, it'll be okay. She can look at me and see that I'm okay. So she's not lying, it's gonna be okay. Um, so the emotional part of it, just how bad you wanna win. I know she was a very emotional player. She wanted to win, she hated losing, she went so hard. Um, but helping her distinguish like, okay, how to be in different settings around different people, I think is, is the biggest part. Um, I think sometimes you get caught up in this is me and this is just how I am and they just gonna accept me. Well, everything is not for every situation. So just being able to, just being able to help the players through it. Um, they can look at me and see like, you're going to be okay. Um, your success might not look like somebody else's success, whether it be points, um, rebounds, minutes, playing time, but could it be what you go on to do after this? Um, so my biggest thing is, is like, I just want the players to get it. And when you get it, how you get it, where it comes from, when the light goes off, everybody's situation is different. Um, and I think just me being able to understand, I think that comes from me being the oldest of three, like my brother and sister, they're different. They, you push buttons differently. You have to be able to relate to them differently. Um, but I just, I think it played a big part. Like Bobby, I was able to open up to Bobby. I was able to talk to her just because it's like, well, you're okay. I see you're okay. So I guess I'm going to be okay. So I guess I'll be all right. I'll listen to what you're saying. I think it plays a, a very big role, but I think it plays an even bigger role right now with what we're going through just in our country. Not that we haven't gone through it forever, but um, it's in our face. Like it's in our face. You see it every day. Um, you can become drained, but can I encourage somebody to keep going? Um, and that's just been like my, my biggest thing. And it's never been, it's never been about me. Um, that's how my parents raised me. It's not about you. It's about who can you, God put you on this earth. Who can you help? Who can, whose life can you affect? Um, what can you do to help somebody get where they're trying to go? Because you can't be selfish with what God has given you. Coach, it's, it's funny that you said, um, when you was talking about it's going to be okay. Cause like, I will remember just like ranting to you about all types of stuff. And you just look at me like I'm crazy, but, like just work hard. Like <laughs> it's going to be okay. Just, I, she was, you'll be like, I have something to tell you. Just work hard. Like after I done ran over like a million different things, I'm like, is it really that simple? Then y'all go work hard and then it'll be, it'll be all right. <laughs> um, but I want to circle back around uh, about Bobby Kelsey. Um, for anybody who don't know who Bobby Kelsey is, she's the one, uh, the coach who had that viral video about get your butt in the gym. <laughs> that comes to my mind every time I hear her name, get your butt in the gym. Um, and that's a secret right there, coach, being mentored by her because I, I was on a Zoom call with her. And I was just like, wow, this woman is smart. Like, she know the game. She know this profession. She's a really smart coach. Um, and I was thinking, like, man, like, I, I got to find a way to be mentored by her because I know she can help me out a lot. So, um, you know, that, that's your secret right there. Um, but I want to transition for a little bit. 
um, you know, if you if you look at your career, mm-hmm. you started off at Radford, and then you know you you go to Virginia Tech, ACC job, um, and then now to being at Stanford. So looking at you, it could be like, oh man, like it is. This could be easy, or dang, she done had it. You know, she done went from this this to this. Um, what would you tell somebody? who's looking at your career, looking at where you've been, that don't know what it has really taken um, to get there or to have that quote-unquote smooth transition, uh, what would you tell somebody that uh, they're asking, what, what, has it, what has it took for you to, um, to be where you are now? Um, I'll start with um, graduating from college. I graduated from college and I didn't know really what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew one thing. I did not want to be a coach. I, that, that's what I knew. I did not want to be a college coach. That, and I was adamant about it. And so I graduated and Bobby kind of threw it out there. And I was just like, yeah, all right, whatever. Um, I just knew that's, I was like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I just looked at it. How I looked at it was you guys are always traveling. You guys are always on the road. You don't have a life. You don't, you, you just don't, there's all this stuff that you probably think you want to do, but you can't, but you don't think to do it because you just you don't have time. So when I graduated, I started working for a company, um, MC Dean, um, an electrical contractor out of the Northern Virginia area. And I was a recruiter. Um, I worked in the HR department. I was a recruiter. I did college recruiting. I did high school recruiting. Um, and then I did a lot of like job fairs and different things because when you work for a government contractor, you have to like go to different events. Um, and it forced me to grow up. I did it for six years. Um, but while I did that for six years, I coached AAU in the summer. So I coached in the summer. I coached AAU basketball um, with Team Unique, who I played for. Um, I played for James Nichols, who recently passed away last week. Um, and he coached, he's like grass, the godfather of grassroots in the DMV. Like he coached a lot of people. Um, so I coached with him for a summer and then I coached with PSPA and then um, Matrix. Um, so I just coached AU in the summer. It was fun. Um, it was, I, it was cute. Like they wanted to play, they try, you know. So I was like, you know what? I really like this. I like being around um, the girls. I liked how they really wanted to play division one basketball, their drive, they were determined. Um, but working in corporate America forces you to grow up. Like nobody cares that you played basketball at Virginia Tech. Nobody cares that you won a state championship. No, like nobody cares. They don't care about points. They don't care about anything. It is, can you get the job done? What are you here to do? So that forced me to grow up a lot. Um, and I did it. I could do it in my sleep. I was good at it because I'm a people person and I can pretty much talk to anybody. Um, I liked it. I loved it because it was a construction company. So you went in at 637, you're off at like 334. So your day's not long or drawn out. So I liked it and I became very comfortable with it. I could, I just, this is what I did. Um, and I re I reached out to Bobby about something random. Um, and she said, have you thought about college coaching? And I'm like, she needs to kind of just let it go. I'm not doing it like that. That's just not what I'm doing. So she brought it up again. I was like, uh-huh. and at this time she was the head coach um, at Wisconsin. I went down to see Wisconsin play Virginia Tech, got to see her, said hi. Um, and a couple other people were like, well, what are you coaches? What are you doing now? You should, I saw you're coaching AAU. They see me in the summertime. I saw you coaching AAU. Have you thought about coaching college? A couple coaches said it to me and I'm just like, uh, after the game, I'm like, uh, 
all right, what, whatever. Like, I just kind of ignored it. And I got to the point um, where I was just like, okay, what's my purpose? Like, God, what did you put me here for? Like, I have done AAU through the summer. I'm working. I have a really good job. I'm making six figures. Um, I, I was comfortable. Um, and I went after trying to pursue my purpose. And in going after trying to pursue my purpose, I was like, um, at the time, Mike McGuire got the head job at Radford. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to apply for the Dovo position and see where that goes. Just see if I like it. Just kind of dabble. So I applied for the position, the SWA at the time, Stephanie Boleyn, who played at Virginia Tech as well. Um, she was like, I saw you applied. I think um, I'll talk to Mike. I think he's interested. We'll see. Well, when Mike McGuire called me, he was like, you applied for the double position. I was like, yes. Now the backstory with Mike is he coached against me in high school. So he seen me, AU you coached against me in high school. So he knew who I was. And um, he said, well, what about being an assistant coach? And I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm just in my mind. I'm just trying to see if I like it. I'm not trying to like jump in and swim and just figure it out. So it's like, ah, he's like, I really think you should think about it. So I prayed about it. Um, and I was reading a T.D. Jakes book at the time, and I, I don't remember the name of it. And I was like, you know what? I'll try to be an assistant. Um, I'll be an assistant. Um, I'll see if I like it. If I don't, then I can figure something else out. Um, I've worked in corporate America, like, so I can just go back and do something else and get a job. So um, our first year at Radford, it was rough. I, it was rough. We were on, we lost 15 games in a row. And I'm like, this is a sign that this just isn't it. I've never lost 15 games in a row. And I can barely remember a season where I lost 15 games. Um, so it was a lot. So with that um, came, it really built um, character in the team and you could see the team growing and understanding that the culture has to change and you have to change and things have to change if you want to get on the right track. But I think they were starting to see that the things as far as like your habits, the weight room practice, they were seeing those things had to change. You got to look at things different, your attitude, but it just what like, it wasn't materializing. We weren't winning. So that, it was just hard. And to be honest with you, Foy, I was looking for words to say. I didn't know what to say. I would pray. I'd be like, Lord, like, what is it? Because 15 games is a lot. And I still, to this day, I'm like, we made it. We made it out. So I was there for the first year um, we recruited. The players played hard. We had seven players. They played hard. It was a long season. Um, we took a couple of days off and we were kind of like back at it. We had a good class coming in, but I knew with like the class coming in, you kind of are throwing them, literally throwing them into the deep end because they had to play. So just helping them understand that it's going to be hard. Um, you've been put in a position where <laughs> the wind's not going to materialize like right now. Um, it, it built something in me and I was like, you know what? Well, I'll just, I'll just stick with it, see how it goes. Um, and I always, people used to always tell me, if you can make it to five years, you're a lifer. And I didn't understand what people were saying when they said that. So like we get through year two, um, we make it to the WNIT, which had ha hadn't happened in a long time. I think since Jerry Porter was a coach, it'd been a while. Um, and then Virginia Tech called me to ask if I would be interested. Um, the head coach at the time there was Dennis Wolf and Dennis Wolf, he played against my dad in college. 
Um, and he called me, he knew my dad was, he called me, asked me if I'd be interested. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll see. Um, he offered me the job and I had gotten negative feedback of like, he's going to be let go. He's going to be fired. Why would you leave? You're just going there for a year. But for me, it was an honor to be able to go back to the place where I played um, to coach. Not a lot of people get that opportunity and it wasn't something that I took lightly. So I said, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know if this door will be open for me to walk through again. So I'm just going to walk through it. I prayed about it and I was like, you know what? This is just what I'm going to do. Everybody didn't understand. And people said some things to me along the way where I just was like, well, dang, I had an evaluator tell me, hey, you know, y'all are getting fired this time next year. Like the coach will be different. And it stung it hurt, but I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I did. I don't know if I ever get this opportunity. Um, everybody said that they were right. They let Dennis was let go. Um, and Kenny Brooks came in and knew Kenny from playing against him. Um, when I was a player, didn't really know him. Um, it was nothing but God, I'll say, because he kept me. And very seldom does it happen to the, to the point where people keep you. Um, they normally just clean house, everybody has to go and they have to leave. Um, and he gave me opportunity. Um, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna try to figure something out. I gotta figure him out. I gotta figure the program out. Like, how do I get the program on the right track? Um, and one of the things that I was told, cause I'm, I'm like searching, I don't know what I'm gonna do, um, how I'm gonna make this work. I'm just gonna try to figure it out and see if it works. Um, so I ended up staying there with him for four years. Um, it was a great experience for me because I got to learn more about myself, more about him, but I also learned more about the other side. There's only one side you see as a player, that other side, when you get to the other side and everything that goes into it and administration, how things work, um, it opened my eyes to just a lot more. And Virginia Tech is a very unique place in the fact that there are people still working there that have been working there since my freshman year when I was a freshman. So they just don't leave. So be there and kind of be back per se home. Um, it was good. And then we get to the end of this past season and I have no doubt in my mind we were gonna make the NCAA tournament, like no doubt. And it hurt big time that we did it. The last time the program had been to the NCAA tournament was my junior year. And I was like, you know, how cool to go as a coach and then as well as go um, as a player and go from there. So um, it, that was, it was a lot of hard work for him. I'm happy the position the program is, is in right now for him to be able to do what he's done and to be a part of that has been magnificent, like the best thing ever. Um, and then we get to this spring, summer, um, and I'll back up a little bit and say this. So when Lindy took the job at Stanford, I was like, it was a thought I had, and I say it's nothing but the Lord. I was like, I wonder if Tara only hires within like her former players and everything. I was like, I wonder if she ever like hires outside of that. I didn't know because Bobby had worked for her a couple of times. Kate's been here. Um, she's had players that have worked for her, they've gone on to be head coaches, um, Charmin, who's at Cal. So I just didn't know. And I thought about it and it just was like, all right, whatever. So when Tara called my boss and they called me, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. That was, a, there's a reason to ask that question. I'm pretty sure. Um, reason why I was placed in my heart. I had no idea. Um, 
the reason I got this job was because of Bobby Kelsey. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, Bobby played here, um, won national championship here. She coached here twice. Um, she is still very much involved with the program. And she basically, she vouched for me to Tara. Um, and that was an honor for me because you played here, won a national championship, and you're vouching for me to your Hall of Fame head coach, former head coach for me to be here. So for me to come here um, on Bobby's word, it's not something that I take lightly. Um, I've known Kate. I've always ran into her on the road and things of that sort. Um, we've always been like cordial. We text each other about like recruiting, like just different stuff like that. Um, and it's been honestly relationships that I formed is how I got here. And, and I know, I know it, it blew a lot of people's mind. I've had people flat out ask me, how'd you get that job? And in the beginning, the first couple of people asked me, I was offended. I seriously was offended. Like, so I can't be here. I shouldn't be here. Um, but then I started to take it as like a compliment. Like, not only did I, because in the beginning, I shocked myself. I really did. I was like, I'm moving in the middle of a pandemic to the other side of the United States. And I'm taking this job at Stanford, never seen campus never been around Tara, just been on Zoom, only know Kate, don't know the players, um, couldn't, I said I was going to live somewhere, hadn't seen it before, um, but it was just a gut feeling of this is just what, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to step out on faith, and it's year, I'm going into year eight of coaching, so I made it past five, like people said, I don't know if I'm a lifer, but I'll roll with it, um, but it's honestly just been it's, it's been a journey stepping out on a lot of faith um, and being able to, um, honestly, it's, I've inspired myself, but to inspire somebody else, I didn't really think, I've, if somebody would have told me this when I was 35 years old, I'd be living in California, I'd have been like, no, there, there's no, no way. I don't know anybody out there. So here I am. Brittany, talk about the importance of your faith in this profession because I've heard you, you know, consistently talk about how you prayed about certain things and then obviously how, you know, you just have faith. Um, talk about that, because I think in our profession, uh, to me, that's one thing that not too many people like to talk too much about. Um, a lot of things that we do, we try to do it on our own doing and don't really try to give God the credit, really, especially to me, not publicly. People may do it behind closed doors or when they're at home, like, man, you know, they're praying to God and thanking God when an opportunity presents itself. But um, as you continue to talk about that, that's something that I admired um, about you. So can you talk about the importance of that to you um, within this profession, but then also obviously within life? Um, I think in this profession, um, I learned very early in my first year that with anything, but I think it stuck out more because this basketball profession is much smaller than what you think. Um, if you don't stay true to yourself and your values, um, you can get lost. And I honestly, um, I got a tattoo on my wrist um, that I look up, look at every morning. Um, and it's basically how am I going to live my dash? Um, and it was a part of something that I listened to. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was when you're going through like different things or making transitions or sometimes doing something different um, or being a part of a program, everybody doesn't agree with you. And to be honest with you, you don't ask for anybody's opinion. And sometimes people feel like, well, they should be entitled to or say whatever they want to say. 
Um, I, it's something my parents have instilled in me. Um, I grew up military, so we moved a lot. Um, and if there was one thing I could always depend on, my mom was going to say something, she was going to say, pray about it. Like just pretty much with anything. Um, so we kind of have been growing up military, you move a lot, you got to deal with different types of people. You got to be around different types of people. But I think the biggest thing with my faith was, um, I've been, I've looked back at a lot of situations and been like, how did I get through that? Um, what helped me get through that? Um, how, how am I going to get through this? And honestly, my faith has carried me through way, way more than I would have ever imagined. Not that to be like verbal about, I think sometimes in this profession, you feel like you have to act or be a certain way. Um, you have to be professional, but you can still be who you are, still have your values, still have your morals, like what you believe in. And I think sometimes, especially with how this profession has grown as far as like social media and just different things as far as that, just just be you. And I've always told myself, I'm on social media, but it's because I'm in this profession to keep up with people, even more so now, I like it more because my family's on the East Coast, like being able to talk to them and stuff like that. But I want to be the same person. I want somebody to be able to call me when I'm recruiting them and call me when they're done playing college and be like, this is the same person that recruited me or that I talked to before. I just think you have to, you have to be grounded in something because the wins, the losses of this, what people say, their opinions, they can very easily sway you. Now, have I read some things that were like, dang, that hurt my feelings. Like, dang, that's how you feel. Yeah, that is. But I think you have to, you have to be grounded in, in something. And if you're not, it's just the profession can, it can eat, it can literally eat you alive because it is sometimes it just doesn't care and you don't know how to handle it. So after my first year, um, it was hard. It was extremely hard. The 15 game losing streak was that. Um, but I think also with programs and stuff like that, like players leave, like that hurt. I didn't really understand when like a player doesn't come back or transfer. My feelings were hurt. Like if anybody left or didn't come back, I was just like, why would you do like, why would you leave? So, but I had to learn that I can still be there or help that player and they not be here. Um, so that part was real. I was praying honestly with that because my feelings were hurt. Like I was just like, Lord, just help me get through this, like make changes in programs and stuff like that. You just, you just have to, you got to roll with it, but you got to be grounded in something. Coach. Um, I love how you say you have to be grounded in something. Um, it, one one way that I would describe you is solid. Um, I always knew, and I always know that you're, you're solid um, and, and consistent as well. But I, I want to go back to what you talked about um, when in making your transition and navigating through your career. Um, a lot of people think that you have to have this big vision, or I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be this this place at this time at this age, or I know I want to be a head coach by this age or I know I want to coach here I know I want to do that um and your approach was a little bit different it was always let me see if I like this and I'm work really hard and see how it um how it pans out so I just want to emphasize our listeners that you don't have to have this big vision you don't have to um you know know exactly you know and, and going back you say you did not want to coach you knew you didn't want to coach and look at you now so you don't have to you know have the story, oh, I was born a coach. I knew I wanted to do it and things like that. Um, but I, I, I want to ask you, what have you learned about yourself um, as you have been making these transitions and, and been grounded in your values 
um, and being able to get to the other side of those transitions, what have you learned about yourself specifically and what's something that you have, have had to overcome? Um, what I've learned about myself is I'm stronger than I think that I am. Um, I think sometimes you, you doubt yourself. I think we all go through it. Um, am I going to be okay? Am I going to make it? Um, I've learned I'm stronger than I am. And I've also learned that whether I like it or not, somebody's watching, somebody's going to ask a question, somebody's going to um, inquire, but I have to be willing to be vulnerable to tell them the truth because that's how I learned the most. Um, Bobby saying, look, I got fired. This is what I did wrong. Don't do that. Um, Can I look at these players and say, look, you can't act like that right now or you can't do that right now, or that's inappropriate right now, and help them see why. Because regardless of what anybody says, you go through your day, this is the first time somebody's meeting you in some way, shape, or form. So there's there's certain ways you have to act, how you have to handle yourself and carry yourself. And that's a big lesson that I learned. Not that I did anything wrong, but I, I was telling, I can't remember who I was telling last week, one of my former players, had I acted a complete fool at Virginia Tech and not cared and went about things, they would, I wouldn't have been a thought in anybody's mind to if I wanted to come back. They'd have been talking about don't bring, don't bring Brittany back in here. So I think the, my biggest thing is being able to be vulnerable, saying, hey, this is where I messed up. Don't do this. That's not going to get you um, where you think it's going to get you. It's going to actually hurt you. Um, but being saying it, I think it's easier to sit back and be like, well, I told like, but to say that is hard. It's very hard to do. It's hard to be um, completely honest. This is what it is. This is where we are. I think that's just something that I've struggled with. Um, I might say, well, you might want to try this instead of saying, don't do, you should not do that. Don't do that. This is why you shouldn't do it because I did that and it, it doesn't work well. So I think I've, I've had to grow big time in that area um, because it's not something that I've been wanting or willing. I didn't want to do it in the past. I just didn't. I mean, I can attest to that myself, um, being a former player, you telling me don't do that or look at me like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Like it, it has helped me a lot. Um, I, I reflect on that um, a lot and I probably haven't told you for real, for real, like I should have, but I reflected on those moments a lot and, um, and it does help. It makes a, a huge difference regardless if, you know, the player or the person likes it at that moment or not. Brittany, what advice would you give a young coach who probably struggles with being vulnerable in this profession? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I would say people can only hurt you with what you allow them to use against you. Um, I think sometimes we, you, it, it can be hard. It's hard to say, this is where I messed up. Um, but I think that's how, that's the best way to show these young people that you care. Um, And I think caring now to this next generation looks different than it did for me or for with you all. It's just different. Um, If you are able to use it to help them and let them know why you're using it to help them, to relate to them, to connect with them, it helps them out big time. Um, And they might not get it in that moment. I struggled a little bit with... I said that 
five times and you're not getting it. I'm not saying it's six, but sometimes you have to say it six or bring it up that seventh time until they get it. And it's, it's hard because you're like, I'm going to say this and it doesn't really mean anything. And it does. It has meaning. Um, but I think sometimes we're scared to be, you can be scared to be vulnerable just because the simple fact that you're scared that someone's going to use it against you. Um, but don't give them that power to use it against you. Yes, I did. You're right. I did share with you that I rolled my eyes and sucked my teeth and it didn't get me anywhere. And I'm sharing that with you to let you know that it's not going to get you anywhere. I'm trying to help you get further along than what I did when I was your age or when I was in your situation. Just don't allow people to use it against you. And if they try to, I mean, that's that's on them just in those moments. But I think it, it's becoming harder and harder to be vulnerable because you, you just you don't know. Um, great answer, Coach. And I, I will also say this, like if somebody use something against you just in general, um, you know, for our audience and, and just in general, like that says something about them. Um, yes. It doesn't say anything about who you are, what you share um, as well. So I did want to make that um, that comment there. Um, if you look at the people that you work for, you work for um, men. And I, I want to ask you, like, what have you learned from working for men and um how they empowered you or helped you in any way and help you move your career forward? Um, Mike McGuire helped me see that it takes a while to build culture. Um, it's something he, he would say it, he would say it, he would say it, and he would say it. And in my head, I'm like, if he says it one more time, like, with, like I just need them to get it because he, he keeps saying it. Um, he kept saying it and saying it. And he did not take his foot off the gas and he got it turned around and he was adamant about it. There were days when he was just, before you know, there were days when practice was over because y'all just can't get right. And I used to be like, Dang, that's a wasted day. Like we need to practice. We're losing, we've lost our 13th game in a row. Like we need practice. But he helped me see that, it doesn't, culture doesn't happen overnight. Um, it does not happen overnight. Um, Dennis taught me a lot about basketball just because he'd been in the profession for so long um, and running different things, why you do different things. Um, but he also allowed me just the freedom to just be, do, um, recruit, um, be around the players, talk to them. He just kind of was just like allowed me, allowed me to be. Um, and then Coach Brooks, showed me why he won so much at JMU. Um, he taught me more than probably what I've been able to articulate to him because there's a lot of things that I go back to in my mind um, that he was able just to teach me in the four years I was with him. Um, but another one that taught me a lot about culture, how we're going to do things, how things will be, um, why things will be this way. But I think the biggest thing with him is he has three daughters. So he had three daughters. So he his three daughters, he's been around, he understands it. There was nothing that was, it wasn't getting past him. So he just kind of, he just kind of knew like within a team. Um, but he also allowed me the freedom to like recruit, um, make sure the players were okay. Um, but he was all three, the three that I worked for, not micromanagers. Um, not to say that Tara is because Tara is not. Um, but I think sometimes we look at, okay, I'm going to work for a man or a woman, I think you have to write, work for the right people. 
Um, I think it's a people thing. It's you have to ask people about, okay, what do you know about this person? How are they? Just different things of that. So I think it's a, it's a, um, with those three, they allowed me the freedom, but it was, I've learned something different, but culture was the biggest thing that I got from Coach Brooks and Mike McGuire. Brittany, I want to go back and ask you a question from, uh, from earlier when we were talking about um, when you worked for the electrical contractor, mm-hmm. right? And you said, you said those six years, it forced you to grow up. And I'm very curious because like our last guest, um, we actually had a conversation about this um, and she was in the profession. She actually was a, she played college sports. Then she was in the profession working for college athletics. Then she got out of it. And one of her biggest things that she talked about when it came to athletes, especially, you know, those that are kind of transitioning once they graduate right into the career field was to not go right into coaching, to like go to do something else because you'll start seeing exactly what you said. They don't care about what you've done on the basketball court or on the playing field. They, they, that has nothing to do with them. It's about how you're going to go about this job and what you're going to do to help them be successful. And so I'm very interested to hear your perspective on how that helped you grow up and be prepared six years later to take on an assistant spot at Radford. And then kind of, I want to ask this question as well with it. Do you think if you would have went right into an assistant spot right out of college or any coaching position right out of college, do you think you would be in the same place you're at now? No. (laughs) I'll say no, just off jump. I, I'm whoever your last guest was, I agree with her wholeheartedly. And I've talked to several, I have some friends in coaching who are like evaluators or used to be coaches. Um, And they always talk to me about like my journey, like how I got to where I am. They always talk about that. And I do think you, you, I played four years at Virginia Tech. Um, I played four years at Virginia Tech on a full scholarship. I don't owe anybody a dime. If I wanted to come back and be a GA, I had the opportunity to do it. Um, I didn't pay for food. I didn't pay for shoes. I didn't play for, I didn't pay for anything. And I think because I played basketball and I think when I say, I think I know had I gotten to coaching out of college, I'd have been fired and nobody would be looking for Brittany to do anything because they'd be like, stay away. And it's just because I had to, I had to grow up. I had to grow up. I had to understand that when you walk into a meeting, um, there's a certain way you have to interact with people, certain way you have to go about things. Um, There's certain questions you have to ask. There's certain attire you have to wear. So it taught me a lot about just being out in America, working a job. And it was hard for me at first to adjust because when you're in college, you know, you got to do this, this, and this. You got to wait to six, you got class, you got practice, you got study hall. Whereas when you are done with that, you have to figure out what your day entails. Nobody's telling you what to do. Nobody's telling you what time study hall is. Nobody's telling you when you have to go to your tutors. Nobody, you sign up for classes. You sign up for classes. When you sign up for classes, you get to sign up for your classes first compared to everybody else. And I always go back to some of my friends who are not 
who did not play sports in college, they're still paying on their school loans. And they tell me every two to three months, you're so lucky you don't have to pay school loans. And that's, that is because of my ability. I was able to go to school for free on a scholarship. But I think it's the aspect of growing up, like nobody cares. And when I say nobody cares, like they don't care. Like who, if anybody calls me by my first and last name, Brittany Anderson, it ha- they know me from basketball. If somebody says Mrs. Anderson, when I'm in a corporate America, they don't know, like, nor do they care. Um, and if somebody just says Brittany, they don't know, nor do they care. If nobody says Brit, they don't know me from basketball. So it's just like different things like that, that it's, it's a self-check, a self-reflection of, I'm not special. I'm no different from anybody else. Um, I need to grow up. I need to learn how to send an email to somebody. I need to learn what to say and what not to say in an email. I need to learn how to interject in a conversation and not interject in a conversation. Um, I need to learn, I, I go back to how to like dress and attire because I wore sweats for four years. My hair was, um, I didn't really care sometimes and that sounds bad, but I didn't cause you're in college, you just like, you know, whatever. Um, but you just learn like there's, there's a way to present yourself. You gotta be on time to work. If you're not on time to work, then you can't get paid. You're in trouble. You can't just be late and it can't be, oh, I overslept. You get a certain amount of vacation time um, each year. You can't just come and go as you please. There's no spring break. There's no summer break. There's no Christmas break. There's no Thanksgiving. So I just, I think it teaches you a lot more as far as like, if you have to do something with administration, if you have to do something with a donor, if you have to do something um, with maybe a speaker that's coming in and talk to the team, just like it just, it teaches you a different, just a different side of how things work, but it also helps you see the athletics is a really small piece compared to everything else out there. Um, and it, it true, it truly is. And when I was in basketball and I was a player, it was my world. Like you do what? I don't care. I play basketball at Virginia Tech. Now I'm like, Oh, they didn't care that I played basketball at Virginia Tech. <laughs> like, I, like this is my job and I'm here to do something and I'm here to do my job. You have performance evaluations. Are you doing what you're supposed to do? How you're supposed to do it? Are you staying on a task? Are you making sure that if you have people working with you on a project that you're getting things done? And it's bigger than just a grade. And I was working for a company where it came down to like contracts. So what I had to do was I had to provide electricians and um, help provide project managers for different projects and the project demands were the project demands. So whatever they needed, you had to have that. You couldn't come in and say, well, we are like three electricians short. No, no, no. This is what we told them that we were going to do. So this is what I have to make sure that we have and we provide. So it just, it helps you realize that athletics is, it's a really small piece of the world. Whereas when you're in it, you're like, this is all that matters. Like I have a game. Nobody cares about your game. So it it helped me grow up big time. (laughs) Definitely coach. Um, And that's an interesting realization um, because, you know, I have friends outside of basketball and but hey you going this you going you doing this I'm like man we got practice and but the world is still going on you know my friend's still having her wedding and it's still gonna be amazing and I can't go because I got we got practice basketball season um but it's just a it's just a really um interesting realization um 
so my next question for you is, uh, you say you was a recruiter in, um, in your job. You had to go to schools and talk to, and talk to people trying to, you know, see if they're interested in working for you guys. How does that, those skills translate over to what you do now as a recruiter? Um, and have you seen a connection within that? I've seen a big connection, especially when it comes to players coming to the end of their playing career. Um, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do. Uh, Cause I think they sometimes see coaches as just a coach and they haven't done anything else. So being able to help them connect in different ways with other people and maybe different fields that they're interested in. It's helped me in that aspect. Um, the firm I worked for, hired a bunch of engineers. So there's still some people who I have kept in contact with from those companies that maybe work somewhere else and try to help if we have an engineer in the program that's trying to get an internship or things of that sort. Um, Some people, I've actually had two teammates um, that graduated after me. Yeah, they graduated after me that were able to intern in the HR department before they went on to like law school because they wanted to be in Um, the law area of being like in HR and being a lawyer and things of that sort. So it's helped from that, but also talking to parents, because I think parents, helping parents realize that, okay, they have to have a plan once this is done. So once we're done with basketball and once the ball stops bouncing, what do you want, what do you want your daughter to do next? Or what does she want to do? And you can kind of tell like, it gets them thinking, but it gets them thinking on a more serious level of we're closer to the end than we are the middle or the beginning. So something else has to come from this um, if they don't go on to play professionally. So it's helped me in that aspect. Um, but I've had a lot, I've had several players who like ask questions or trying to see if I know somebody in an area, but being able to talk about both sides of it helps a lot. Um, just because like I've been on that side and I know what it's like and I know Um, what type of interns they like to hire. Um, Because a lot of people, a lot of companies like to hire athletes as interns if they know that they're going to come in and work hard. So just connect, helping players connect the dots once they're done with their playing career. It's it's helped a lot. Brittany, one thing I, um, one thing you continue to say is the other side, right? Because you had an opportunity to see the other side. You know, most people like myself, you know, once I finished playing college basketball, I did the, the normal route. I went right into coaching, you know, high school coach, graduate assistant, you know what I mean? Dobo, assistant coach, and just, you know, just continue to keep climbing up the ladder. Um, but something that I'm very interested in hearing on your part, because again, like you said, now that you've seen the other side with corporate America and realize that athletics is, is only a small part of the world, how does that change your approach um, now that you're in the business? Because again, it's, it's interesting that we have this opportunity to talk with you um, because our last, again, our last guest, this was something that we brought up again, um, talking about how when you're in athletics, most of the time we put all of our stock coaches perspective, you know, coaches obviously talking about them. We put all our stock in one basket. You know, everything is, we're trying to be the head coach. We're trying to be the best we can possibly be. We're trying to be the best assistant, whatever it may be. Um, And then that day come where we lose our job. Mm. You know, or somebody, you know what I mean? Somebody giving you that pink slip, you got to go. How does that, knowing what you know and being able to be on their side 
and no one, and you did it for six years, and then even took a pay cut when you got into this profession, or you can probably make just as much, if not more money, you know, doing something else. How does that kind of change your approach, your daily approach, as you kind of still strive and climb through this profession within, you know, coaching? With myself? Yeah, with yourself. Um, with myself, um, it's something that I, I think about um, if I wasn't, I just had this thought probably like three months ago, if I wasn't coaching, like what would I be doing or what would my life look like? Although I love coaching and I love to be in it, um, I think it hum- it does humble me um, for me to realize that there is another world out there for me to be able to do what I love and I'm passionate about and feel like I'm pursuing my purpose at this point in my life. Um, it makes me even that much more grateful for the opportunity that I do have because everybody doesn't get the opportunity. And I am just trying to take hold of the opportunity, uh, make the most of it, help people along the way, um, continue to keep my heart in the right place as I go through it. But it just, it does humble me a lot because I was, I was just like a month ago, was uh, a couple months ago, I was like, if I wasn't coaching, like, what would I be doing? Like, what would it look like? Um, so I'm grateful to be, I think it makes me love the position I'm in like that much more because you realize how there's not a lot of positions like this. Everything else is just like the world's going on. It's just a little piece. So it makes me a lot more grateful on a daily basis just because I've been on that, that side of it. And not that I, I hated that side of it, but I love basketball because even when I wasn't playing, like I would... I could go, I lived in the DC area. I'd go to summer league and just sit and watch games. I just, I genuinely, like, I love basketball. So to be doing it and getting paid to do it, I'm just like very grateful. Coach, uh, you mentioned uh, being very grateful. And, you know, I, I see it as like also being less entitled. Um, and your approach, kind of like what, what Nick just asked, your approach has made you more successful because if you were, if you were like, oh, just basketball, just basketball, maybe you wouldn't have took the job at Virginia Tech. Or maybe um, when Coach Wolf was let go, maybe you would have left prematurely. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you would have had a different approach than like, let me just be grateful for the opportunity that I have. Um, so, with with the less entitlement aspect, I, I really like that word um, because I think that's the key to a lot of things. Um, not being less entitled mm-hmm. um, that has that has humbled you to to be grateful for your situation, but actually it has excelled you. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's something to that I really want our audience to take note of is that when you don't know or when you approach it as you don't know then you actually become more successful or you actually have, um, you know, better opportunities and you appreciate those opportunities a little bit better. Um, But coach, you know, this is the Black Excellence in Sports podcast. So we want to know what separates you as a black woman? um, What gives you the confidence and um, how do you approach, you know, that, you know, that even thought like, you know, I'm a black woman operating in this world. What, what separates you and, and what what gives you joy about that? There's joy in knowing that um, I'm a black woman who played this game um, at a high level and had some success doing it. Um, but also 
there is a sense of reality from the aspect, for me, from the aspect of I am, I am only as good as somebody that looks like me, maybe another Black female assistant, younger, older, helping them achieve what they're trying to achieve as well. Um, so I feel like I need to help all my former players in some way, shape, or form with something, regardless of what field they're in, but there are other people who look like me that are going to be judged off of how I carry myself, who are going to be judged off of how I go about doing my job. They're going to be judged off of how I interact with people. So I just feel it's not a weight. I just feel a sense um, of obligation to the doors that I walk through, help doors open up for other people. Um, and I have to carry myself and go about things in a way that will help somebody else. And I think that that's something that we don't think about. Um, I'll just say just for myself, I don't want somebody to judge you for off of what I've done. Well, you know, the black, last black woman we hired here, you know how it went and how it went down. Does that hurt you? And I don't want it to hurt you or hurt anybody else. Um, I also wanted to be able to change the minds of people who think that, hey, you can only hire one black woman on staff or have two black women on staff. Kenny Brooks had two black women on staff. Um, so I want them to be able to see that we bring more to the table than just maybe, hey, a conversation here and there, um, being able to connect with the players on a level that maybe somebody that doesn't look like them can't connect with them. Um, and that's nothing against anybody. I just feel like it's an obligation that we have to make sure that we keep the same doors open that were open for me, open for the next person, um, which can be hard because as, as you both know, um, it's harder for us. Like the strikes that we get for stuff that we do that we're like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. They're different. And I just, I try to use it to my advantage and not say, dang, this is just so hard, but how can I help somebody else get to um, a certain point in their career, wherever they're trying to get and not make it to where they're very like, uh, like I said, you know, the last black woman we had up in here, you know how that went, or you know how that situation went um, because we're judged. We are judged. We're judged um, when people see us, we're judged before we even open our mouth. Um, we, we're just judged off of just different things and held to a different standard. And I'm not saying that they're fair, um, but they are what they are until they change. And maybe they can change, maybe they won't. I don't know, but I, it's my obligation to make sure that Black women have the same opportunity that I have and help in any way possible. Brittany, two words I think of when I'm, when I'm hearing you talk is... Uh, intentional and intelligent why why are you so intentional okay that's one that's my first question um where did that start and then from an intelligence standpoint i really feel like you um you're very mindful when it comes to your your growth uh how did that trigger where did that come from as well um, I think the intentionality part of it comes from my mom. So when my mother was 
when she became the head of anatomy at the um, at VCOM, where she first got her job, she was very adamant about not having one black girl in the class and one black guy in the class to check a box. So she was a part um, of admissions, interviews, and things of that sort. And she she stretched her neck out a lot for a lot of students that still talk to her to this day that are doctors. And that didn't really hit me until um, I got to corporate America and I'm like, I'm the only black woman person in here. Um, and I feel like if you're not intentional with some of the things you do, um, people that you feel like you can vouch for, um, you, you have to be. And if you're not, it's just not gonna work. Like you have to be. So I saw my mom from that aspect be intentional. Um, and she's still to this day, she's retired. She's still, her students still call her. She still does some contract work, um, with a couple universities on the East coast. Um, and she, she talks to them about it. And she, I, my mom says, you get to a certain point where you just don't care. You just say whatever. I think she's at that point, but that's just one of her things is like black physicians being in the medical field. So that, that's one thing. Um, and I, I just try to, I just try to, my thing is, I just try to help because somebody helped me. Um, and I, I did not get here by myself. There, I did not arrive at Stanford as assistant coach by myself. And I think sometimes in this profession, you get so big headed and so high headed to where you're like, look at me and look what I did. No, somebody helped you. You got there because somebody helped you. Somebody made it their job. They tried to help you in some way, shape, or form. That's why I'm always grateful for the people who helped me. Um, I didn't get here on my own. I was pushed a little bit, um, but I was able to, to get to that point. And then what was the second part? I'm sorry. Just your, just your growth mindset. I, just, I said you're intelligent. I just said, where did that come from? Where did that stem from? Um, I think you get in this profession and Foy said it at first, she said that um, you say by year three, I want to be here by year five. I want to be here by year six. My, my mindset is I got to get better in a lot of different areas. Um, and how can I, and it's not that I sit and map it out or anything like that. Um, I'm a gut person. So if I feel like in my gut that this is kind of what I need to need to go with or an area I need to talk to somebody about or get help with, I have no problem with reaching out to anybody and being like, look, I don't know, can you help me? And I have no problem with saying, hey, this person helped me um, because I, it didn't just fall out the sky and I didn't just learn it on my own. Um, I just think you have to be able um, to realize that you need to continue to improve. You need to continue to get better in areas. Um, my mom used to always say, she still says it. She says, keep planting seeds. And I used to be like, what is she talking about? Like what she used to always say, keep planting seeds, keep planting seeds. And now I use it now. I haven't, I think I've used it on you. I'm not sure yet, but you have to be able to keep planting seeds in different areas to help improve yourself. Um, and that's just one of the things nobody wants to stay stagnant. You don't want to stay the same. And if you do, especially in this profession, you're, it just passes, it passes you by. It passes you by and it passes you by very quick. So I just, I just try to continue to improve, continue to do better. Um, I read, I do read a lot. Um, I try to make sure that I'm learning something new, something that I don't know. Um, if it's something or a topic that a player brings up or says they're reading, I might like get it, skim through it, try to figure out kind of 
where they are. But I think growth to me is a beautiful thing. Um, I always talk about it. It's a word I will always use is you got to be able to look back a year from now and be like, I've came from this point to this point. Now, where can I go next? And then I always look back at, okay, last year at this point, this is where I was maybe mentally. Um, Whose life did I affect? Um, I live by the quote, leave people better than you found them. Um, that is that is my thing because somebody's meeting you for the first time. Um, that'll be the first time somebody has a conversation with you and you have to continue to get better, um, but you got to keep planting seeds. Keep planting seeds. You never told me that, coach. I'm um, a you know, you maybe if you would have told me that a long time ago, you know. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, my question was going to be what keeps you grounded, but you kind of, you kind of answered that. Um, so the question I want to ask is um, how do you keep pouring into yourself? Um, how do you stay motivated and, you know, how do you kind of recharge and kind of get ready to, to keep planting seeds for, for other people and keep pouring into others? Firm believer, if you don't take care of yourself and your body, you get one body. If you don't take care of yourself, um, you can't help anybody else. I do try to work out every morning before 8 a.m., Monday through Saturday, my hashtag get in before eight. Um, just that for me is just a mental thing. Like I got to work out, get going, um, trying to stay in some type of shape and keep it together. Um, I do read. I read. Um, I try to read a book or two a month, um, but now that we're getting ready to go into the season, that might change. Um, so I, I do try to read. Um, I do yoga, do a lot of yoga. Um, that, that has helped a lot. And I just try to just have fun and enjoy life, um, laugh a lot, um, call and check on people. Sometimes um, checking on people, and seeing how people are doing helps you because you realize a situation that you think that you're like, dang, I'm just, it's just a bad situation I'm in. Or you might feel like, dang, I've had a bad day. And calling and check with somebody else might brighten your day um, or helps you see it's really not that bad. You, It's really like, it's really not that bad. So some of the things that we think are problems there, somebody would count it as a blessing. So some, I do have my moments where I'm like, feeling some type of way and blah, blah, blah. And I'll call somebody and I'll be like, I need to get over myself. Um, so I try to, I try to just keep myself together as far as um, my main thing is working out. Like that's where like my mental, my keeping it together. I just, days I don't work out is bad. <laughs> I heard not Brittany, you left out being the number one auntie. I am the number one auntie. That's, oh, how did I forget that? My niece and my nephew. Um, my nephew is 10 and my niece will be six. Um, they are my, they, they keep me grounded a lot just, just from the aspect of like, they don't know what they don't know. So some of the stuff they ask, I'm just like, oh, to be young again. Um, but I am the number one auntie. I am. It always will be. <laughs> Man, Brittany, um, nah, this was great. This was great. And, and I want you to understand today was your day. All right. Today was a day where we really wanted to honor you and we really appreciate um, you gracing us with your appearance, all right? But with that being said, like each said earlier, this is the Black Excellence in Sports Podcast. And, you know, our goal is to put the people that we deem 
have achieved excellence. And that's, you know, obviously within the profession and, and also as well as within life. And so today you do sit upon our throne um, with the crown. All right. Thank you. And, Thank you. and, and for us, um, you know, again, we understand that this is a longevity uh, we don't look at it as, and we don't say this as you're leaving the profession tomorrow, mm-hmm. but when that time do come, Brittany, um, and you do step down, step off that throne, um, and you pass that crown to the next young lady, um, what's the one message you want to leave in that crown for her? Mm. That's tough. Um, be true to yourself and embrace your journey. Um, my, my story or how I got to the point where I am, it looks like nobody else's. And I never in a million years thought I'd be a coach, like I said before. Um, but there's going to be some curves, there's going to be some ups, there's going to be some downs. Um, just stay true to yourself um, and just let your journey be your journey. Um, people will say things to you in this profession that are like, mean and hurtful and I don't say that to say I'm I'm perfect at all I think sometimes you say things and it depends on what what moment you're in and I'm sure I've said some things where I was like probably shouldn't have said that but you you have to you have to just stay true to yourself it's a it is a hard profession it's a very hard profession and I think sometimes people make it look like it's easy it's not I think sometimes you get on social media it looks easy it's not and you both know that this is not an easy profession to be in. Um, and you have to carry yourself in a certain way. There's certain things you have to do, but always be true to yourself. I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Rising Coaches for partnering with us and giving us this platform um, to share these amazing stories real quick. Guys, if you are not a member of Rising Coaches and you are in the basketball profession, you want to coach, you're a seasoned coach, you're a beginner coach, it does not matter. I want to encourage you to check out Rising Coaches. Um, Join Rising Coaches and become a member of the largest coaching tree in basketball. Over 1,300 members from all levels, high school to NBA, gain access to over 1,000 hours of coaching clinics um, and build genuine relationships with other coaches. Rising Coaches provides the community and the resources that will help you have long-term success in the coaching industry. Please visit Rising Coaches to join or if you got any questions, hit me up.